welcome back to Morning Cup of Controversy. My name is Ryan. I am your host, for those of you who are new. So this week, I want to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. I have a feeling that I'm going to have a lot of new listeners this week, or at least I hope I do. Um, Some new true crime fans, because I haven't really talked about anything true crime related yet. So, like I said, today I want to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer, but as always, we're going to jump into the question of the week first. So last week we talked about what's something you always want but say no to. And I can't quite remember what my answer was, um, but I'm pretty sure it was something along the lines of just little things to treat myself. Um, but I honestly thought maybe I'd come up with a better answer by <laughs> by this time, but I didn't. So uh, yeah, just treating myself to little things, you know. And um, somebody in our community post said, Something that they want but always say no to is a new job. Uh, they said, I need a career now, but I'm just too comfortable. And I can see that. That is definitely something that I can relate to. I've struggled um, not necessarily with holding a job, but due to my anxiety and depression and things of that nature, it's hard for me to hold certain jobs. Um, it's hard for me to work in the service industry, even though that's something I did my whole life. It just seems to be harder now that I'm older than it was, you know, growing up. But that's okay. I, you know, I've come to the realization that I just need to be a babysitter because it's the easiest thing for me at the moment. But that is okay. So, I mean, you know, everybody's got their own timeline. And it's hard when you're comfortable to change things. Change is tough for a lot of people. But sometimes you just got to do it for the better of, you know, yourself. But this week, I wanted to ask everybody, what's the last thing you threw out that used to mean something? What's the last thing you threw out that used to mean something? Hmm. Let me see. My answer, probably clothes. I I don't know. I just have like a hard time letting go of gifts. So if if I have a t-shirt or a pair of pants that my parents or my grandparents or somebody got me for Christmas or it just as like a gift in general I have a hard time getting rid of it because I feel bad especially if I never wore it you know so I don't know I, I think that's probably the biggest thing for me I recently went through my closet and got rid of a lot a lot of stuff like two big black trash bags full of stuff and that's actually quite an accomplishment to me so I'm gonna say that I used to hold a lot of sentimental value to all the pieces of clothes that I owned and I've gotten better about kind of letting it go and realizing if I don't wear this then it's just taking up space in my room, (laughs) you know. So as always, feel free to leave your comment below in the community post, in the Q&A post underneath the um, podcast if you're listening on Spotify and maybe I'll pin your comment. This person that I shared today Uh, from last week's, I actually ended up pinning that comment because it was the first person that said something in the, in their, um, answer along the lines of, you can share this with whoever you want. So I pinned that for everybody to see. This is what happens when, or, you know, whenever you want to send a message, it's not going to get seen by anybody unless you say that it's okay. 
So, like I said, go ahead and send something if you're interested in your comment maybe getting shared underneath the podcast or getting brought up in the next episode. So let's go ahead and get right into the topic of the day. I want to go ahead and add a little disclaimer. Today's episode is going to have some very sensitive subjects. Very sensitive, um, obviously. Talking about Jeffrey Dahmer, if you're not familiar with this character, he is a serial killer. And so, obviously, we're going to be talking about a lot of things, including murder, cannibalism, and quite a bit more graphic subjects. So, this is just a quick disclaimer, like I said, for those of you who are um, either triggered or don't want to hear these things, I would skip to the ending if I were you. Okay, like I said, Jeffrey Dahmer is our topic for today. And, like I also said, he was an American serial killer, um, as well as a sex offender. He was nicknamed the Milwaukee Cannibal, or Monster. And that was because um, he was later in his killing spree known to disassemble the bodies and try to keep them um, to eat and whatnot. So we'll get into that a little bit later about what he did with his victims. Um, But first off, I wanted to talk a little bit about some behavioral science behind serial killers and just things that are, well, let me just read what I wrote. (laughs) Behavioral science tells us that there are some common traits in youth of these serial killers and criminals in general. And I just put down three, there's obviously a lot of different things. These are some of the big three Um, that stuck out for Jeffrey Dahmer's life personally that um, were kind of like warning signs for his future. Um, So the first one would be torturing small animals. Um, In the movie My Friend Dahmer, um, which is a movie about his childhood, and it shows us his background uh, from where where he grew up, what his parents were like, what his friends in school were like, Obviously, um, movies that are based on real life are dramatized to make it a little bit more interesting, but a lot of the stuff that happened in My Friend Dahmer actually did happen in real life. He did go through a lot of the things that they displayed in the movie, so one of the things that kind of portrayed the torturing of small animals was his dad, Lionel, worked in the science field. I couldn't find any information about specifically what he did, but whatever he did, he had access to chemicals that he would bring home for Jeffrey to use because as far as they were concerned, Jeffrey just was very interested in science as a kid. But come to find out, he was using these chemicals to, well, he would bring home roadkill and um, he'd bring home roadkill and he'd use these chemicals to decompose the bodies of the roadkill. That way he could keep the bones and sometimes he'd just leave them in the chemicals and just let it, you know, sit there and he'd look at it and his dad didn't know that this was going on and he told him a couple times you know you need to stop in the movie they actually show a scene where jeff jeffrey's dad his name was lionel he um tried to get jeffrey to do something in school you know like try out for the band or something like that because he just wanted jeffrey to not be so mm, secluded you know shut off from the rest of his classmates and stuff like that he wanted jeffrey to actually be a teenage kid but he wasn't a normal teenage kid another reason for this was his mom which is leads me to the second point um 
in the behavioral science common traits, which was a poor family life. His mom was in and out of mental hospitals, and even when she did take her medicine, she was hard to handle. She was a very unstable, mentally unstable person, and back in the day, back in their time, whenever Jeffrey was growing up, they didn't have the med- the mental health care that we have now. Not to say our mental health care is very great, um, which I'll be talking about in two episodes, <laughs> um, but, you know, like I said, back then, it was nowhere near as good as it is now. They didn't have all the proper medications that they have for whatever diagnosis that she had, and it just was not a good situation. His parents were fighting all the time. Him and his little brother had to deal with that growing up. Um, then the next point that I have for the behavioral science thing is the substance abuse, which Jeffrey got into as a young teenager. He would take bottles from his dad, and he would take them to school and drink. He would be practically belligerently drunk at school and that it just became a really big issue for him. And all of these things combined, just these three little things, could have been huge, huge signs for his family and friends to know what he was going through or what he could potentially become later in life. But these things hadn't been quite identified at this time. And so it wasn't really something that was a huge worry for them because it wasn't very common that people were becoming serial killers. And even if there, if it, if it was common... They weren't being caught as easily and as quickly as they were today, or are today, you know. But all these um, all these things we see heavily displayed in the My Friend Dahmer movie, and um, it gives us a good look at all the trauma that caused Jeffrey to be who he was, which is quite a big deal because, you know, people don't just grow up and become serial killers for no reason, and whatever, you know. Um, so, moving on. The ending of that movie called My Friend Dahmer shows us him picking up what we later find out is his first victim, who was Stephen Hicks, um, and he was 18 years old. Um, this movie... Actually, hold on, let me backtrack. Yes, he was 18 years old. In another movie that's just called Dahmer, we see flashbacks to his young adulthood, um, where he lives with his grandma... And as the viewers know, he's already killing and keeping these human remains in his grandma's house. We later find out that his grandma kicks him out because of this horrible smell that she kept smelling. And he was bringing men home late at night and she was just tired of it. And it's it's pretty crazy knowing what we know now that she just kicked him out. And, you know, oh, what a weird smell. He literally had dead bodies in her home. And she had no idea. Um, This movie also shows us his typical M.O. He would bring men home from the bars. He would drug them. And he would take pictures of them. He would sexually assault and abuse their bodies. After he finished with that, he would, towards the end of his killing career, he would um, start to use chemicals like he did as a child um, to rot those bodies of the, uh, what's it called? The roadkill. But then as an adult, he would try to use these different chemical combinations to inject them into the brain of his victim and try to, quote, zombify his victims. He wanted to keep them around as long as possible, and this was something that he said in an interview. He didn't want these people to leave him or be able to leave him. He wanted them to stay. He wanted to be able to do whatever he wanted with them whenever he wanted, 
and he was trying to find a way to keep them alive and it's crazy um there was something else that i wanted to touch on because of that movie well Dahmer basically just shows us like i said it shows us his mo but that movie also shows us just how he lived as an adult and the things that he did he he seemed like a normal person to the people who lived around him to his co-workers and you know serial killers are really good at that just kind of blending in psychopaths and sociopaths they're good at just blending in and knowing what to do and when to do it to seem like a normal person and he just had it down you know um in the docufilm the jeffrey dahmer files we learn a little bit more about um his actual adulthood because this one is more of a documentary style um it's it does have some parts where it'll flash back just to kind of show you the scene that the um, detective or the neighbor or family member was describing uh, for what they knew but it wasn't actually you know it wasn't completely a documentary it was if I believe that's on Netflix and it's a really really good docu film if you are interested in this topic um, it'll give you a lot more information um, on that docufilm, though, some neighbors brought up that he was always very friendly. He even brought them food on many occasions, and one lady on that docuseries said that she was scared after she found out what happened and everything that he did because, like I said earlier, he was a cannibal, and just because he eats these human remains doesn't mean that other people want to eat them, too, so it was just kind of a scary moment for them to, th- to sit back and realize, like, oh, shit, I might have actually ingested human because he brought me that chicken pot pie one day you know and I didn't it's just I actually literally am getting chills it's crazy to think about that one more thing I wanted to mention about the Jeffrey Dahmer file um docufilm actually was that people from all over one of his neighbors said this that people from all over were coming to that apartment building that he was um caught in which I'm about to get into here in just a little bit but they were trying to get pieces of his furniture or little parts of literally people would pay hundreds of thousands of dollars to own a piece like a square inch piece of carpet from Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment which is absolutely wild to me I mean if I'm being honest as a serial killer I wouldn't say fan as a person who's very interested in true crime and serial killers and their minds in general I might want to one day if I had the opportunity (laughs) own something that belonged to a serial killer or that was in their home or something I don't know I feel like it would just be a really cool thing to have in your house like a little decoration but I don't know that might be insensitive who knows anyway like I said, there was people who were trying to pay out the ass to get anything that had Jeffrey Dahmer's apartment on it. You know, it was crazy. But let's go ahead and talk about some of his victims that were um, a big deal or just some big points in his life. The first victim that he ever had was in 1978. And that was the one that we talked about earlier, Stephen Hicks. Um, I didn't really find very much information on that first killing, but I do know that that was his first and last for nine years. He actually joined the army and was stationed in Germany until he was discharged due to his 
due to problems with his excessive drinking. Um, and so this was, like I said, nine years of, quote, not killing. There was a lot of, I don't remember what documentary it was that I saw it in, but I did see something about some uh, detectives thinking or believing that he could potentially have actually killed people while he was in Germany. He says that he didn't um, and that it gave him time to think about what he wanted to do since he had already done one, you know, killing before he went uh, to Germany. It gave him a lot of time to think about the right, the do's and the don'ts of his plan and what to do with himself whenever he got back. But the next murder that he committed was in 1986, and this was right before he was charged with indecent exposure. Um, These two little boys were at the park, and they said that he was trying to masturbate in front of them. Jeffrey, on the other hand, said he was just going pee, and the kids happened to walk past. But whatever whatever the case, he was only arrested charged and fined uh $50. He ended up getting let out. Um I wrote something else down here, but I don't know what that means. So we're just going to move on to the next thing um because it doesn't look like it's very important. Then in 1989 is when he believes or when he begins to start keeping trophies and these trophies being heads that he would keep in the freezer, um, just body parts that he would keep. I don't believe that he became cannibalistic until later in his career, but his career wasn't very much longer lived after 1989 anyway. Um, in 1990, Ernest Miller, 22 years old, got his throat slashed due to a lack of sleeping pills, which was the only uh, murder that Jeffrey Dahmer committed that was outside of his M.O., Like I said earlier, he would take them home from a bar, drug them, and sexually assault them, take pictures of them, but this guy, he got him home, realized he didn't have any sleeping pills, so he ended up just slashing his throat. I can only imagine how that made Jeffrey feel. I know from my personal researching that when a killer does something like that, it's definitely not, it's not necessarily premeditated it is to a certain extent but like I said he had an MO that he followed for years and why change it now just because he doesn't have sleeping pills like why wouldn't he let the guy go because he had done that at one point he let somebody go because he was just he was a little bit nervous that he wasn't going to be able to follow through with it with this one specific person so why not let this guy go you know you hadn't done anything to him yet but Just knowing what I know about criminals and serial killers and psychopaths and sociopaths, um, this probably was really tough for Jeffrey Dahmer to get through. He probably felt like he failed. He probably was even more scared that he was going to get caught this time because he didn't follow what his normal MO was. And so it was probably a big moment for him when he had to kill his victim this way instead of his normal way. Next, in 1981, we had Errol Lindsay, and he was 19 years old. This was Jeffrey's first attempt at zombifying one of his victims. And they do show, I don't believe it's this specific one that they show, but they do show in the movie Dahmer, 
him attempting to zombify one of his victims. So they do kind of get that part in there and let you know, like, hey, this did happen. He tried it, but it didn't really work. He just ended up killing the guy. And then he was upset with himself because he had messed up. He failed his attempt and he didn't know how, you know, what he was supposed to do to change it. Then we have July 22nd, 1991. Tracy Edwards um, had escaped. You know what? Hold on. Let me step back for a second because before. Let's talk about this for one second. Before um, that last one, Tracy Edwards. This was in the same year, 1991. A 14-year-old kid. I could not get the first name, um, but we got the last name, Konarak. Um, this was a real-life event that was dramatized in the movie. But Jeffrey Dahmer had brought this kid home. He handcuffed him. He fed him some medication. Then he left the house, thinking that when he got back, his victim would still be there on the couch, ready for him to attempt his zombification and whatnot. Well, the kid ends up waking up. He escapes, um... Jeffrey Dahmer's house, apartment, and he's stumbling down the street. He was on heavy, heavy medication, obviously, sleeping pills, and um, these ladies end up finding him. It was three black ladies, and unfortunately, when the police showed up to help these black ladies, they didn't believe them. They thought that there was something going on, and they were being really condescending toward these women who were just trying to help this kid, and it was very, very unfortunate. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer ends up coming back while the police and these ladies and the victim were all sitting there outside, and Jeffrey convinced the police and the ladies, well, not so much the ladies, they were still a little skeptical, but he was able to convince the police enough that this is my friend, he had too much to drink tonight, I just went to go get him some stuff to take care of him, and blah blah blah, so sorry about the misunderstanding. And they let Dahmer take the kid back into his apartment, and he ended up killing him that night. And it was just something that was really crazy. It was a moment for him that was, oh shit, I almost got caught. But then, a couple months later, we have Tracy Edwards, 32. He escapes, and he flags down two police officers saying that some freak placed handcuffs on him and was holding him captive. Jeffrey Dahmer catches up, they find him. And he tries to play the same story, but this guy is actually hadn't been drugged yet. He had only been handcuffed. And so he was able to fully tell the police officers what was going on, this, that, and the other. And then the police ended up following Jeffrey back to his house. They asked him a couple questions. They came inside. That's when they found pictures, uh, Polaroid pictures, that he had been taking of the victims. Then... They took him into the police station, and that's when they started to haul out his things. And um, there's actually footage in the Jeffrey Dahmer files from them wheel wheeling out these big blue barrels that had acid and bodies in them. There was heads in the freezer. When the, when the detectives opened the freezer, they were absolutely shocked to see multiple heads in the freezer. When they opened the fridge, there was multiple body parts in the fridge. It was like... A horror show it was something that the detectives had never seen before and a lot of them are still scarred to this day from the things that they saw and you get a first-hand story from the detectives that first of all went through that building and second of all had a conversation with Jeffrey after 
and while they were going through that building. You get firsthand stories from them in the Jeffrey Dahmer files, and I think if I was going to recommend one thing to you guys, it would definitely be that. If you want to know more about Jeffrey Dahmer, it would definitely be the, the Jeffrey Dahmer files. But if you're like me and you're a little bit more interested in his past and the things that he went through leading up to um, his crime spree, then My Friend Dahmer is a really good one because, like I said, that one shows you more of the psychology behind what created Jeffrey Dahmer. So after they caught him, he ended up going to prison. He actually said in an interview that um, was just in a regular interview that's probably found on YouTube somewhere, he said that he knew he was in the best place for him because if he wasn't, he would just keep going. He had gotten arrested multiple times. Like we talked about earlier, he got arrested for indecent exposure, but it was end up let out and just charged $50. He knew that if he wasn't going to get caught, he was just going to keep going until he got caught. He was sentenced to 16 consecutive life sentences, but he was actually killed by um, a man named Christopher Scarver in 1994. He, Jeffrey Dahmer had been there for a couple years, and he had gotten, if you guys have ever seen any prison, you know, like, true reality shows or whatever they're called, you know that um, after a certain amount of time, certain prisoners get privileges, you know, like where they're allowed to have a job and make a little bit of money. Well, Jeffrey Dahmer was in this position where he was able to clean um, different parts of the jail or prison, I should say. Um, he was able to clean different parts of the prison in exchange for making a little bit of money. Well, one day he was cleaning one of the bathrooms and um, Christopher Scarver came up and started stabbing him from behind with a shank. I believe, something along those sorts, but that also you can find a lot of videos on uh, YouTube about, and Christopher Scarver was in prison for a long time before he did this, but now he's definitely going to sit in prison for a lot longer. I couldn't tell you any updates on him right now, but if that's something that y'all are interested in, just let me know, and I will find some updates to give you guys um, in the future on different episodes or maybe on my Twitter or Instagram. But yeah, so that's just about all I have on Jeffrey Dahmer. So I really hope you guys enjoyed um, listening to that. I hope that it wasn't too much or too graphic for some of you. And I hope that I actually gain a couple new followers, listeners. Because true crime is definitely something that I want to talk about more often. I'm going to do an episode on Ted Bundy one day as well. So stay tuned for sure. So, let's go ahead and move into the quote of the week. This week, I wanted to use this quote for... I don't know why I said that, because I don't have a reason. Or at least I don't know yet. Let me let me go ahead and read it to you. It says, Success is getting what you want. Happiness is wanting what you get. By W.P. Kinsella. So, this quote doesn't necessarily tie into the topic of serial killers very well. Um, but it does tie into the moral of my podcast which is getting your opinions out there and being who you want to be and doing what you want to do with your life and like it says success is getting what you want happiness is wanting what you get you I like this quote because it's basically telling you that success and happiness can go hand in hand if you want or if you get what you want 
you know, it's, it, I don't know where I'm going with that, but that was our quote of the week. I hope you guys liked it. Um, thank you for listening. Thank you so much. I thank you so much for all of the support on the podcast. I know that, I know now that I have some listeners, most listeners are in the United States, but I do have some Canada, some Norway, some Finland, and some Australian listeners. So shout out to you guys, um, for being overseas listeners or just other country listeners because Canada is not overseas but (laughs) thank you so much for the support I really 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 appreciate it check me out on um, Instagram and Twitter at morning cupcast and if you would like to shoot me an email for whatever reason that is going to be morning cupcast at gmail.com thank you all so much and have a great rest of your day and week and I will talk to you next time